0: what a brand new Pivotal Moments, and I'm super excited for this one, this one I've been waiting for, I can't tell you guys how excited I am about this interview, this person, this author, this, I mean, just amazing, amazing, amazing light to the world, um, truly, her work has taken me out of a dark place, shifted my perspective, and helped me elevate, a lot of people ask me, how do I stay in such a positive attitude, a lot of it has to do with her work, it's absolutely beautiful, so, um, please, great review share this with a friend if anything resonates with you check out the community check out the website follow the show on instagram at vj chase or at don't touch my mindset yo i love you guys keep coming back we are back on wednesday with a brand new mindset day with a brand new mindset super excited uh let's dive I am super, super, super excited. I'm thrilled. I am inspired right now. I'm sitting with a true inspirator. Uh, Ms. Susan Piver, hello. How are you?
1: Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm so happy to be able to have this conversation with you.
0: Yeah, this is just awesome. Um, please tell everybody who you are, what you do, what you offer. Uh,
1: My name is Susan Piver. I am a writer. And a Buddhist teacher and founder of an online community called the Open Heart Project. It's an online mindfulness community with close to 20,000 members all over the world.
0: Wow. Wow. How did that start? Who where,
1: where? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. knew? It started because when I became a meditation teacher, like 12 years ago or so, I taught retreats in person back in when we used to do that and i would always end the retreat by saying if you want to continue to meditate it's good to find a meditation instructor not a guru but a meditation teacher who can have because it, the practice can get very claustrophobic or we think it's supposed to be creating results that we don't find whatever it's just good to have someone to talk to about it and everybody said we don't know how to find a meditation instructor so i started saying well if you give me your email address I'll send you meditation instruction videos with just a little talk about something related to meditation and that was eight years ago and it just sort of grew from that moment
0: wow wow that's that's truly beautiful I'm a huge fan of your work and um that's I'm gonna have to check that out because um I would love to be taught by you so (laughs) There we go. <laughs>
1: well, we're in Good shape, then. That's fantastic. It would be great to practice together.
0: Yes, absolutely. Um, so, I have a question that I ask all my guests, and um, I'm excited to hear your thoughts on this. If you take away all of the trials, the tribulations, the successes, and the titles, who is Susan Piver and why is she here?
1: Hmm. What a great question. And I don't know, is the real answer. I don't know. Because who is Susan Piper is, it, it seems different from moment to moment and day to day. It's a work in progress that never completes. And. I may think, oh, I'm this person or that person one day, but the next day something happens and I see, well, that's not true. So if I, the best answer I probably could give is, I'm curious about the answer to that question more than knowing the answer to that question.
0: (laughs) I love that answer. It, It keeps you digging, it keeps you evolving, you know, when you approach it like that. Wow, I absolutely love that um well i have asked you to be here for one great reason and to share your pivotal moment with us what, what comes to mind when you hear the words pivotal moments or what what was that pivotal moment for you go ahead the the spotlight's on you it's the mic's yours.
1: <laughs> thank you it's interesting I, I would like to know if you have this point of view too but the pivotal moments only seem pivotal in retrospect. In the moment that they're happening, it's just, this is something that's happening. So, and before we started recording, I just said, it's, 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 a, it's a big day for me right now. And it's March 22nd when we're having this conversation and it's the 10th anniversary of my father's passing. So it's a, it's a day of sorrow and a day of joy. And we got to be with him for his last breath. And when such a thing happens, it's impossible to understand what it means. How can this person be gone? And the answer never comes. But the meaning of that love weirdly deepens upon death. In this case, and in the case for anyone, where, where there's been a loving, you know, normal human relationship complications, but basically, he was a wonderful person and he had a good life and he had a good death. Not many people lived at 87 and then die with their family all around them in their own bedroom, you know, having lived a really good life. So that was a pivotal moment. And I, I guess we also, before we started recording, we're talking about a book I wrote called The Four Noble Truths of Love. And the Four Noble <laughs> Truths, as you know, are the Central tenets of the whole Buddhist path, whether you're a Zen practitioner or a Tibetan Buddhist practitioner or whatever it might be, the, these four truths inform the whole journey. And a pivotal moment for me around those truths was I, I'm married, I've been married for 23 years. It's been an incredibly long time. And, and at one point, <laughs> thank you, thank you for the clap. Clap, <laughs> um, for sure. One, this was probably six or eight years ago, we were not getting along at all. And there was no reason, there was nothing happened. No one was being an ass. No one was, there's nothing to argue about, but we just could not connect. And it went on for months. Everything one, one person said upset the other I'm sure you can relate or anyone that's been in a relationship for more than six months <laughs> can relate. What the hell, huh? I thought, who, who are you? And so I was sitting at my desk one day just crying because thought maybe it was over. And I, my, I thought, I don't know how to begin fixing this. And the very next thought I had, and this is the pivotal moment, was begin at the beginning. At the beginning are four noble truths. And it was like, oh, rainbows and unicorns and angel choir. Oh, what a great idea. And then my next thought was, what the hell does that mean? How are, how are those truths supposed to help me in, with my love life? So I, that began an investigation for me of how these the deepest truths of this one particular, very rich spiritual journey of Buddhist Buddhism could relate to a marriage or a love affair or relationships in general because the the Buddha, as, as the legend goes, lived mostly as a monastic, although he was before he became Buddha, he was married and had children. But most of the Buddhist teachers in the last 2,500 years have not been wives or husbands, partners. They've been monastics. So it was exciting to explore the possibility of bringing these ancient truths into a modern context were they integrated seamlessly, which is very exciting to find out.
0: Those and those truths, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna try here because it I actually did an episode on that book. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, oh. I did in season. I can one. I got an answer to that. That's yes. awesome. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. But um life is suffering. Suffering can cease. No, 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 Life is suffering. Mm-hmm. Life is suffering. Suffering is g- caused by grasping. And that suffering can end. And that is the Four Noble Truths or the, the eightfold path.
1: path. Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was awesome. Yes. Yes. Those are the Four Noble Truths of the Buddhist Path. <laughs> exactly. Life is suffering, as you say, which is like, really, Buddha? <laughs> Thanks a lot. (laughs) But it it more means like life is unsatisfying. Mm. The the Sanskrit word is dukkha. And I've heard that it's more accurately translated as unsatisfying. Meaning you get, you've only had this or that, and then you get it and you're like, "Mm, I'm still me, I still have my problems. So anyway, perfect. That was beautiful. Thank you.
0: Yes, yes. And, and you ask if I have the same perspective of pivotal moments. Um, and I do. I, I tell myself all the time that life can only be understood backwards, but we're forced to experience
1: it forward. And you need to put that on a t-shirt. That, that's so true. That's awesome. <laughs> <What's> that? yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, and so then
0: I, I think about these pivotal moments as in when I'm going through them, and I realize that we are, we are constantly pivoting um, from how we react or how we respond. And that led me to this framework of the pivot mindset where when we're going through pivotal moments and we're going through pivots in life, we have to stop and ask ourselves, is this coming from our personal power or our past pain? And then we can dictate how we respond from that: our imagination or our ego. Uh, do, are we trusting the vision, or are we falling in line and being practical? You know. Um, and then my 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 biggest one is uh, the O in the pivot mindset is over everything is God's will for me. You know, it is. It's not my will, it's not my wants, it's not anything that I can control or desire, which equals to surrenderance to what life has to offer. And being able to always come from a place of personal power gives me the T, which stands for tenacity or transformation. And it gives me a different way of looking at perspective and that that birth pivotal moments and things like this. And so, yeah, absolutely. What do the other letters stand for? Um, Yeah, so P is power, I is imagination. Uh, v is vision. Um, o is over everything is God's will. And T is tenacity. I love um, that. Oh, thank you. I, it's like it, it, part of that is your work <laughs> in there as well. It's, it tr- truly inspired me. Um, so, when we think, when you think about some other pivotal moments in your life, um, what, what do those look like?
1: Yeah. Um, just a, first, just a little reflection on what you just said. The older I get, the more I see that I am actually not crafting my own life. I used to think, well, I have my goals uh, and ambitions, and I got a lot of both, and I got a plan. Not so good at sticking to plans, but I got plans, and I, uh, this is where I wanna go. Totally reasonable. Yeah, I, I feel like the place I wanna go, or, oh, those are good places. <laughs> but the, the older I get, the more I see that I am not crafting my life, I'm shepherding it. I'm like it wants to go somewhere, and how can I get get out of the way and support what this life that somehow I got wants to be? It's at once extremely personal. Obviously, it's my life, but it, on the other hand, it sort of has nothing to do with me. It's like, okay. Now I'll do this. So that realization that I'm not crafting my life, I'm shepherding it, has been a pivotal moment. When I was like, oh, I'm in control, but I'm not in control. You know what I mean? I'm in control of how I respond. And the, the pivot formula has a lot about how you respond is how you live. Yeah. And it also made me think of this other teaching in the Buddhist path on the three kinds of bodhisattvas. I know I'm not rambling, you'll tell me if I am. Bodhisattva means awakened being. And it also means anyone, such as yourself, who's here to be a benefit. And there's all sorts of ways to be a benefit. You can be a great parent, you can be a great teacher, you can be a great leader. You can just be kind to animals or tend a beautiful garden. I mean, there's all sorts of ways to bring beauty into the world. But in the classical Buddhist view, there's three kinds of bodhisattvas or awakened beings. And the first is called king. We could say king and or queen. Someone who leads others. Like I got this, follow me, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm gonna take you there. Great, we need people like that. Second kind is called the boatman or boat person, which is everybody get in, I'll take us all there, we'll go together. I'm not leading you, you don't have to follow me, but I, we'll go together. And the third is called the shepherd, and it's, I'll go last. Everyone, go through the gate, everyone, let me see if I can help everyone, and then I'll go last. And that's sort of considered the highest, the highest. So I'm not trying to intimate that shepherding your life means you're the highest, but there is a something about the notion of shepherd of seeing the big picture, but also paying attention to every detail. Because if you're not seeing the big picture of your flock or your life, you you lose you know, you lose the plot line. But you also have to look at every detail, like every member of the flock, every creature, every being, every step has to go a particular way. So this sense of you know, zooming in and out. I said, that's a way to live every day. That was also a pivotal realization for me. What do you think?
0: Yo, I absolutely love that. I talk about leadership all the time, and it's not in a place of leadership, of authority or control, or let me take you there. You need to do this or that, but it's leading our lives from a place of generosity and unconditional love and making sure that we're coming from a divine servant leadership mentality as connected to source and spreading love, but also showing up to serve in the best version of myself. So that is, that is something that resonates deeply with me on the shepherd is I don't call myself a leader. I'm not a leader. And I, I, as, as the community grows, as the podcast grows, and as even the Instagram following grows, I'm not a leader. For I am a teacher and a shepherd and I lead by my, my actions and by example. I, I, I try to be the change that
1: I want to see. I totally relate to that, too. I'm not a leader. I'm a fr- I think of it as I'm a friend. And a friend and the Sanskrit word for that is kalyana Mitra means spiritual friend it doesn't mean I'm, I know the only difference between me and the pe- people that study meditation with me is I've been doing it longer that's all otherwise we're all in the same boat but I have a question about what you said how do you you said you you try to I, I'm paraphrasing I don't remember exactly what you said but I try to act in accord with my divine with divinity or with my divine inspiration how do you check yourself to know that you're in alignment with the divine I, I, I'm really interested to hear it's a, a, a no real answer but I'm still how do you do it
0: absolutely um well if I take away my will and the things that i want i drop into the feeling of the body and and whatever action that i have um according to that feeling as in if i'm advancing moving in purpose towards a goal or towards an intention um when i'm aligned or when i'm connected to source the only thing that i should be feeling is peace and joy that mm-hmm. is it there there my 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 source brings me nothing but joy and peace and if there there's worry, if there's anxiety, if there's, you know, any other type of feelings there. Um, I, I have to stop and check myself. Is this something that the heart wants? Is this aligned with the mind? I try to integrate both while leading my life. You know, I don't know if that makes That's sense.
1: Great. Of course it does. It's lovely. How did you learn this? How did you, did you teach yourself? Did you, how did you figure this out?
0: Um, I So I'm five years sober. And I spent six months in prison, in state prison, and I didn't reach out to any of my family members. I didn't reach out to any loved ones or anything like that. I decided to go inward and actually figure out what is wrong with me, <laughs> as in why am I behaving in this way and things like that. And when I did that, I there was one night that I recall, which is pivotal, um, one night that I recall, er, my cellmate actually got moved out of the cell and transferred to a different camp, and I was there by myself. And I just got there and I didn't have anything except for my Bible. And I picked it up and just started bawling and started reading it. And I told, and then I heard or told myself, um, when I take one step towards God, He takes 10 steps towards me. And I have been getting aligned and building a personal relationship uh, with my Creator ever since. And, um, and so it, it, it threw gasoline on the fire for me to dive deeper, to learn more, to tap into unconditional forgiveness, to trigger unconditional self-love for myself.
1: It's fantastic. It's makes me teary, but it's so fantastic. I can feel that moment for some reason in my own being and that's that's powerful. I'm happy for you.
0: Thank you, thank you, no no one's ever asked me that, so I'm I'm grateful to express that and feel that connection, I feel that, that's good. It is good,
1: yeah. Yeah. Mm.
0: Mm. 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 Um, Question, if you could make a 20 second phone call to your future self, what would you say?
1: Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's awesome. Relax. Stay the course Just relax How about you?
0: You're exactly where you're supposed to be homeboy Quit stressing, don't worry about it It's gonna work out Breathe, you got this, you got this, you got this You did not come this far to tear
1: down I love that that's great i once heard a great spiritual teacher say this probably five years ago this is like a scholar of the buddha dharma in particular like countless years of solitary retreat and profound study of the great seminal texts and the source material all the original teachings of the 2500 years of buddhist thought and he said the more he studies which is a lot the more he saw that the entire spiritual journey can be summed up in one word, and that word is relax. That has really stuck with me. I contemplate that a lot. When I first heard it, I was like, really? But like I say, that was years ago, and it it sticks with me, like relax. It doesn't mean obviously go to sleep or forget about it. It means be with, open to employ gentleness. Not Gentleness doesn't mean being nice, always. It means being awake. And it's hard to be awake when you're not relaxed. When you're, in other words, when you're like, just trapped in your own mind, which of course we all are. But if you can let that go, even for a moment, and that's what meditation is all about, practicing that, letting go. Then you relax, which, again, doesn't mean I feel good about it. it. means I can be with. Because, you know, there's a lot of ideas that meditation will reduce stress, and that's great. But I'm pretty sure the Buddha didn't teach it as a stress reduction technique, <laughs> or a way to be a better leader. <laughs> it's a way to wake up and stop suffering so you could relax by getting away from everything that causes stress. That's good. If you can if you have the wherewithal to do that. Great. Sometimes you have to do it. You just stay in bed. <laughs> don't get up. It's not very practical, but the other way to relax is to include everything that's causing unease. And to relax with pain, relax with sorrow, relax with rage. Not that That means those feelings go away. It just means I can include this. I can include this. This too. This too. And I'm pretty sure that's what he meant by relax. Not watch two seasons of Housewives of Beverly Hills in one day. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Hey, I have my shows too. (laughs) It's all right. It is okay. (laughs) Oh, you. You you said that in. Two things popped up and uh, it was your awareness is like the open sky and the the feelings, the emotions, the anxiety, the the worry, the stress are like clouds passing by. Sit back, relax, and just watch the sky clear. And that is
1: <laughs> That is a truly classical <laughs> metaphor. Classical on the spiritual journey. And it includes the sky has no preference. The sky is not like I like sun better than clouds or vice versa. The sky is like, okay. And when in meditation, you're practicing relating with your mind as sky rather than cloud. And that's what gives it its power, exactly as you say. I love that, I love
0: that, I love that. There is something that you spoke about on an interview. when I, when I first discovered you in your book and your work and the things that you do, um, how would you describe not, the practice of non-attachment?
1: Mm-mm. I love that question because often people uh, say, oh, you shouldn't be so attached. Why are you so attached? It, it's often is, comes across as a kind of shaming. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm attached. I am attached to my happiness. I'm attached to your happiness. And, you know, I don't want to be punched in the face. i mean, you know, I'm attached to not getting punched in the face. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. The thing about when people describe non-attachment, I think what they mean is you should convert all phenomena into an equal tone. Like, I'm, everything's cool, when things go well, whatever, when things go poorly, whatever. But that's not real. That's not human. That's not human. So attachment, at least in the Buddhist sense, I think just in the sensible sense, means that I'm not attached to wanting it to be different than it is. I'm willing to show up here and here and here. And Attachment actually means the opposite of not feeling the spectrum of human emotion. It means feeling the entire spectrum and moving with it without trying to attach to, I like this one and I don't like that one. But you just keep going. It's like surfing. I've never been surfing, but it's like I imagine surfing. And when people say you shouldn't be attached, What I always want to say is Why are you attached to non-attachment? Because that is an attachment To say you shouldn't be attached So... Be with your life Be with your life, let it speak to you Is a great way of expressing non-attachment, I think What do you think?
0: You know, I came to this realization, I say realization because it, it's something that just kind of smacked me in the face of, I, I believe he said it, let go, of the, let go of the fear of losing something and the hope of something lasting forever, but rather sit here in the moment, in the human experience and experience it all around you for what it is right now not for what you want it to be or how long you want it to be, or not for saying that this is the last I'm gonna have of it, but literally just letting go of hope and fear. And that has carried me so much.
1: That's deep. And I appreciate that you think I said it, but the Buddha said it. (laughs) Credit where credit is due.
0: (laughs) Right, right.
1: Um, Attachment and aversion, hope and fear. And when we look at our minds, just as you say, we're usually in one of those. Hoping, 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 or fearing, fearing, fearing. And sometimes, you maybe you've heard, maybe listeners have heard, Buddhism is called the middle way, middle way. And it's not attachment and it's not aversion. It's not hope and it's not fear, it's the middle. So uh, that's just a profound exploration. Oh. what you just said.
0: I, I didn't even know it. <laughs> I'm over here just leaving life. There it is. <laughs> yes.
1: They, the things that are true resonate. Whether, wherever Absolutely. they come from, the Absolutely. things that are true resonate.
0: Absolutely. So that's great. Um, if your childhood could be a smell, what would it be? <laughs> this
1: is a hilarious and awesome question. thinking. Sweet and sour. (laughs) Sweet and sour.
0: What, what memory draws up sweet and sour?
1: Well, I was born in a family of very nice people, and we we weren't poor. We weren't rich. We were like fine, as far as I could tell. And but I knew I didn't belong there. Mm. I didn't feel at home there. And I knew that from the I was when I was like three years old. I'm like, where, what, what, where? I don't fit here perfectly nice, and it still is. And I'm close with my mother and close with my siblings, but I know it wasn't for me, that world. How about you?
0: Mine would be toasted cinnamon brown sugar <laughs> <milk for laughs> with
1: y- butter. Please. That's gorgeous. <laughs> Fantastic! I <laughs> love that. Uh, but
0: I'm, origi- I'm originally from Texas, and um, and my mom uh, moved to Missouri when I was seven. So it was my grandmother, and I have four sisters. Um, but I lived, I grew up with one of them, and we're really close now. <laughs> but she would always make that bread whenever I would say I'm hungry.
1: <laughs> That's good.
0: Where did you grow up? Where were you born in Texas? Where you found Texas? Uh, Fort Worth. Fort Worth. Uh, DFW. Yeah. yeah. Austin, I like moved that. in. This... Oh, you're in Austin? I mm-hmm. love some Texas. <laughs> yes. That makes me so much happier. It's probably why that connection's so strong right now because you're sitting in my home state. There it is. I okay. love <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that. Love that. Um, yeah, i I think I think I'm almost all out of questions. I, I never write anything down or prepare because I want it to be as a, as authentic as possible. And I get to thinking and I'm just uh, one, I'm fanboying over here. I'm like, yo, I'm talking to Susan Piper. This is awesome. Can I call you Susan? Three
1: friends out. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's hilarious. That's great. And I, I'm so glad that we got to connect. And I just I just appreciate the work you're doing and I'm happy to contribute and be part of it in any way.
0: Oh, well, thank you. I, I, I'm truly grateful for that. I'm truly grateful for, for this conversation. Um, if you could leave the listeners with any type of mindset advice or just any advice at all that comes true to you, what would that be?
1: You will not always feel this way, mm. whatever it is. way I love that there's a big space and I guess I would add to that this fame famous in my world any quote from a Tibetan Buddhist teacher named Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche because you not always feel this way everything in the path is like you're in a bigger space than you think you're in a bigger space than you think oh it's even bigger than that oh bigger than that too In fact, there are no boundaries, which can be very disconcerting. And uh, he said, and this is the best thing, I think, to leave anyone with is, uh, the bad news is you're falling through the air. Nothing to hold on to, no parachute. good news is there is no ground. So can you just fall? and fly. You didn't say that part, I added that part.
0: I, 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 inst- I ins- yeah. No, I instantly felt like falling and flying It was the exact same thing. There's no ground. There's no ground. Oh, you're giving me all the feels. I love that, I love that, I love that, I love that. Yeah, thank you. Where can people, f- Yo, know, where can people find you uh what do you got uh, what, anything coming up anything you want to get the people to come check you out on oh,
1: thank you yeah uh the open heart project is a great place to connect and stay connected just openheartproject.com and uh i i have a book coming out in August. I literally finished writing it yesterday. Yes! <laughs> oh it's, called, it's called the Buddhist Enneagram. I don't know if people are familiar with the Enneagram, but it's this yes. profound system for understanding yourself and others. And yeah, it, it'll be out August twenty seventh,
0: So I'm uh, excited. Oh, my gosh. Well, I'm, I'm going to, if I can, I'm going to pre-order. Um, super excited to read it. Uh, wow. Wow. Thanks. Yeah. No, that makes you really happy. Well, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much
1: for being here. Thank you, too. it's, It's a delight to talk.